This morning we're going to consider an exhortation to the elders. An exhortation to the elders. We're looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through to 5. So if you'd like to turn to that now, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll read the first five verses. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. In 1 Peter, chapter 4, the Apostle Peter had been talking about the God-given fiery trials that Christians and the church as a whole endure when they suffer and are reproached for the name of Christ. Following on from that, in chapter 5, Peter had something to say to the church elders. Look again at what verses 1 through to 2 there. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. In the New Testament, the word elder can refer to age, such as when someone is the elder of two people, two or more people. Also, it can refer to a man who holds an office of leadership within the church. Therefore, in order to ascertain whom elder refers to, the thing to do is look at the context of the passage, and we'll do that right now. In verse 2, the Apostle Peter said to the elders, Feed the flock of God which is among you. Can you see that there? Feed the flock of God which is among you. Peter was not instructing the elderly men of the church to go out into the fields and feed the sheep. Rather, he was saying to those who hold the office of elder to feed the church, which he referred to as the flock of God. When you think about sheep, and I'm no expert on sheep, but um, I think it's fair to say that they are prone to get lost, to wander into dangerous situations, perhaps to the edge of a cliff, Also, they are vulnerable to attacks from predators, vicious dogs, whatever. All in all, sheep are dependent upon the shepherds to look after them, to protect them from various dangers, and as we see in verse 2, to feed them. That is the job of the shepherds. 
since Christians are the flock of God, then the church elders, whose duty it is to look after them and feed them, they are the shepherds. And so, so it is that the same Greek word that is translated pastors in the Bible, you think that the word pastors would be found all over the place in the New Testament. In the King James Bible, it's only found once. That's all. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. But the same Greek word that is translated pastors is translated shepherds in 17 other places in the New Testament. Clearly, pastors, shepherds mean one and the same thing. Therefore, the elders as shepherds or pastors are appointed to feed and nourish Christians with the word of God to protect them from the heresies of false teachers who are like wolves in sheep's clothing. And when Christians are ensnared in sin, the elders seek to restore them. Still in verse 2, Peter spoke to the elders about taking the oversight. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. In other words, they look upon and they supervise the sheep. Therefore, putting it all together, shepherding a church, which includes feeding Christians with the word of God, and overseeing the church, are the duties that are performed by the elders of the church. Also, the same Greek word that is translated overseer is translated bishop. They are one and the same. Therefore, although certain denominations would have you think that bishops are responsible for whole districts or dioceses, such as we have here on this island, we've got a bishop, an Anglican bishop, who's in charge of all of the... Anglican churches on the island and they have a fancy title, the Right Reverend and they wear the fancy clothes and the big hat and all the rest of it. They, A bishop, according to the scriptures, is simply a pastor or an elder of a church where bishop means overseer. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul also spoke to those who held the office of elder. And it's helpful to see what Paul said. If you want to turn with me, otherwise just listen carefully. Keep your finger in 1 Peter chapter 5, but I'm going to turn back the pages to Acts chapter 20. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the elders of the church of Ephesus. I'll read from Acts 20, first of all, verse 17. And from Miletus, he, that's Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And we'll drop down to verses 28 through to 30. And this is what Paul says to the elders at Ephesus. 
Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he have purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So, in verse 17, the Apostle Paul addressed them as elders. And then, when you drop down to verse 28, speaking to those elders, he tells them to feed, to feed the, 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 the church, to shepherd them, to pastor them. Note also in verse 28 that the Holy Ghost has made them overseers. In other words, they are appointed by God. Those, those elders who are shepherds, pastors, overseers are appointed by God. So what this amounts to is that elders, pastors, otherwise known as shepherds, overseers, otherwise known as bishops, are all descriptive names for the same office. And the men who are called to that office, as I say, are called by God. People like me, in other words. Elder emphasises the dignity of the office. I say that because, on the one hand, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, we're back to our passage now, Peter gave advice to his fellow elders about shepherding and overseeing the church. Look at verse 1. The elders which are among you I exalt, I exhort rather, who am also an elder. What was he? Peter was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He announced himself as such in the very first verse of this epistle. One of just uh, uh, not many people who were chosen to be apostles of Jesus. And yet he referred to him as an elder. What does that do? It speaks volumes of the humility of the Apostle Peter, that he should count himself as a fellow elder. But it also speaks of the dignity of the office of elder. The names pastor and shepherd speak of the elder's relationship with the church that he has been appointed to by God. Overseer and bishop speak of the elder's function as being one of watching and supervising the flock of God. In verses 2 and 3, Peter gave advice to his fellow elders about shepherding and overseeing the church and he did so with three statements, each consisting of a negative and a positive. In verse 2, he said, not by constraint, but willingly. That's an interesting one because I've heard it said and it to be quite honest, it was said to me before I became an elder. 
I've heard it said that men contemplating entering pastoral ministry should resist it and keep on resisting it until they can resist it no longer. Making it sound so painful as if someone's going to be conscripted into the army and into a war situation. And maybe that person's a pacifist or conscientious objector or something like that. I never did understand that. It makes far more sense for a man to be willing to be an overseer of a church with God putting that desire in his heart. With a, so for a man to be willing with a God-given willingness than to do so by force or unwillingly, provided, of course, the man meets the criteria that is set out in Timothy and Titus, the qualifications for being an elder or a bishop. And that willingness must surely apply in all Christian service. Whatever is done in the church ought to be done not by constraint, but willingly. In other words, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Also in verse 2, Peter said, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Filthy lucre is just one word in Greek and it means base gain. Base gain. In other words, a man whose work it is to oversee a church ought to receive all reasonable support, financial and otherwise from the church. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it, if uh, an elder is fully engaged in in his church, his church ministry, like everyone else, he has bills to pay and a family to feed. So that's, that makes sense and that's, that is dealt with in, in uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And muzzle not the ox that treadeth the corn. In other words, if, a, if, a, if an ox is treading that corn, then you don't deprive the, the ox of some of that for himself to live on. So that elder ought to receive all reasonable support, financial and otherwise, from the church, but he he ought not to be drawn into church ministry by financial considerations. That is not the reason for becoming an elder, because of the package, the financial package, whatever that might be. Base gain refers to a situation where a man's motive for entering pastoral ministry is precisely that. It's for financial gain and that should not be the case. Furthermore, base gain can also describe church overseers who prostitute their ministry. In other words, they run the churches that they oversee on a business model with a money-making strategy as the focus instead of the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Consequently, they encourage people to sow money into the church coffers in order to be blessed with material benefits. Thirdly, in verse 3, Peter said, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. Bearing in mind that he had been talking about persecution and fiery trials of Christians in the previous chapter, 
the last thing a church needs, especially in those situations, is a pastor who is like a little pope or, or who exalts himself above everyone else, especially in difficult times. Rather, he is to be an example to the sheep. He is to encourage them chiefly through sound Bible teaching and the proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel. Taking people's focus away from their fiery trials and putting their focus on Christ. Let's have a look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Elders, shepherds, overseers, whatever, all the same, in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom Peter has already declared to be the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Look back at chapter 2, verse 25. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Ultimately, the shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the bishop, the overseer of the church. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus declared himself to be the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. And in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, Jesus is referred to as the great shepherd of the sheep. So the elder is the under-shepherd where Jesus Christ is the shepherd of the sheep and the bishop of your souls. Having been appointed by Jesus to oversee and shepherd the sheep, elders will have to give an account of their ministry to him. That's a big responsibility. The very thought that I have to give an account of my ministry to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is something to be taken very, very seriously. Consequently, the sheep are to be obedient and yielding to the elders so that they may do their work and bear their responsibility with joy and not with groaning. This is clearly stated in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 where it is written, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. It's not good for the church. In verse 4, it is written that the elders shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. More is said on that subject in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15, where the Apostle Paul said, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the cornerstone of the church. Now, if any man build upon this foundation 
gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. It starts good, but it's not so good towards the end. It starts with um, gold and finishes with stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. I'll tell you now before I finish it, the uh, one of the commentators clearly sees this as speaking to church elders. It may have a wider application, I'm sure it does, but it certainly has an application to church elders. If any man's work abide which he have built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. The Bible commentator Richard Lensky, applying those verses to elders, said, gold, silver and costly stones are the teaching of the wisdom of the gospel which is full of the everlasting truth. Wood, hay and stubble are teachings and church practices that are devoid of this wisdom and this truth. Therefore, when Jesus comes in power and in glory, with his holy angels, the elders, in other words, the under-shepherds of his church, they will give an account of their God-given ministry to him. And though they, though they are, like the, everyone else, unprofitable servants, sinners saved, by the grace of, sinners saved by the grace of God, everything that they do is stained through with sin. And that includes me as much as anyone else. Those elders will nevertheless receive different levels of reward from Jesus in accordance with the riches of his grace. Let's have a look at verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. The verse opens with likewise, and then it says, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Therefore, Peter, having spoken about church elders being subject to the authority of the chief shepherd and not lording it over their congregations, he now calls on the younger men to be subject to their elders and pastors who are mature Christians, mature in the faith, not novices in the faith. Beyond that, there, I, I would acknowledge that there is a call to respect older Christians as well, where we take that second meaning for elders meaning older people. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And then Paul went on to say, uh, to describe elder women as mothers. So he's speaking about the older men, the fathers, the older women, the mothers in the church. So I grant you there is that wider application but in the context of this passage here, the younger men are to, to, to have that respect for their elders.
There has been much to consider concerning the God-given responsibility of elders to watch over the watch over and oversee the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as bishops to feed the sheep with the word of God as shepherds or pastors. We have also seen an exhortation to submit to the elders as those who will have to give an account to God. But ultimately, it all points to the Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to chapter 2, verse 25, as we've seen, is the shepherd and bishop of our souls. It all points to him. Jesus watches over his sheep day and night. He is with his sheep. He says, lo, I am with you, even until the end of the world. How wonderful that is, that Jesus, he lives by faith in the hearts of those he came to save. His sheep, Jesus is with them. His sheep hear his voice. He knows them. They follow him in the paths of righteousness. King David, he spoke as one of the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ in that Psalm 23 that I read earlier. It's about Jesus. I trust you know that. I hope you know that. When David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Speaking about Jesus. The good shepherd. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. We wouldn't, we're stupid sheep. We wouldn't even lay down in green pastures. But Jesus makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters, still waters. He restores our souls. He leads us upon paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so it goes on. And I love the end of that psalm. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful end to that psalm. (coughs) Beautiful psalm. It's all about Jesus, the shepherd of his sheep. And how he looks after his sheep. People trusting in him for the forgiveness of their sins. That journey whereby the sheep follow the good shepherd on those paths of righteousness and are led by him. That journey will take you home to be with him in heavenly glory where you will behold his glory. But it starts when as a repentant sinner you believe that Jesus has fulfilled the righteous demands of God's law on your behalf and in death as a lamb to the slaughter, not as a shepherd, but as a lamb to the slaughter. He was wounded for your transgressions and he was bruised for your iniquities when he was nailed to that cross and lifted up to die as he bare away your sins. Amen.